0: Hi, I'm Vanessa, I'm Elena, I'm Genesis, and I'm Cheyenne, and And we're we're Fulbright Latinx.
1: Fulbright Latinx is an inclusive community that bridges the relationships between past, present, and potential Latinx Fulbrighters. Our mission is to highlight and celebrate our unique yet similar experiences and inspire more Latinx candidates to apply to the Fulbright program. With these efforts, we aim to paint a more accurate representation of our intersectional community to reshape global perceptions of US leadership by elevating Latinx leaders that reflect the diversity of the world we actually live in. We hope that by centering our voices and increasing our visibility, Fulbright Latinx can offer a space where members of our comunidad See a reflection of themselves and are empowered to embark on a Fulbright journey of their own. Thanks for joining us. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Fulbright Latinx's Estamos Juntos or Estamos Juntos US Latin Exchange Alumni Speaker Series podcast. We're super excited to be bringing you our second episode of the podcast, which is titled finding a job abroad. This is a question that many of our community members and beyond have asked themselves after having such a transformative experience abroad. How do I either, whether it's extended, how do I go back? How do I build upon this experience uh, by going someplace new? How do I try or step into the job market outside of what I know, which is the US? So um, we spoke with three Latinx exchange alumni who have either who are currently living abroad and working abroad and or have done so or are in the process of looking into that so we really hope that for those of you who are in the same boat as one of or all of these alumni exchange speakers it can provide you some insight clarity or inspiration for taking that leap if that's something that you want to do. So thanks so much again for joining us and let's jump into the episode.
2: Thank you so much, uh, Cheyenne and everyone here for Fulbright Latinx. I'm so excited for everyone on this panel. And again, use the chat as you um, would like to share with us where you're from, where you're based out of. And what you hope to gain out of this experience, if you did an exchange program like Fulbright, Gilman, Cambridge, Peace Corps, please share with us so we can have this great networking opportunity. So let's start our panel and introduce everyone. We are going to go down based on who I see first in the little squares. So Andrea, can you kick us off with a little background, what exchange program you did, where you're currently located, and what you're up to?
0: Thank you, Delicia. My name is Andrea Moreno. I'm currently in um, Maryland, Baltimore, or Baltimore, Maryland. And um, I'm a graduate student at University of Maryland, Baltimore in the Masters of Public Health program. Um, but prior to this, I was an English teacher in Peace Corps, Cameroon, like in West Africa, and did two years abroad and also years of networking to try to get into um some programs abroad as well. So I'm really glad that we're all here to talk about it, share our ideas, but because I'm currently a graduate student, you know, that's I'm on the student life. Absolutely, yes. Grad student, that could be a whole other session. (laughs) How to pay for grad
2: school. Um, Thank you so much, Andrea. Let's uh, listen to Genesis now and her experiences regarding who you are, where you're from, where you're based out of.
1: Sure, so hi everyone. I'm Genesis Garcia. I'm originally from Providence, Rhode Island. Um, I'm Guatemalan American, so born in Providence, but my parents are from Guatemala. Um, And I uh, have a very long love story with Portugal, (laughs) which is where I'm currently located. Uh, So basically, um, the short version of my story of how I am now, or where I, how I got to where I am now, is I studied abroad when I was uh, undergrad at Tufts University, uh, studied abroad in Madrid, and that opened up the world that is Europe to me, which I did not expect to fall in love with, especially as a junior in college, and also coming from uh, a small Central American community from Providence. Uh, but basically that study abroad experience led me to want to go back to Madrid, And during my time in Madrid, I took a peek into Lisbon, uh, Portugal, and fell in love with the city and decided that some way, somehow I was going to live in this country. So eventually applied for a Fulbright. I was still in Spain at the time, but eventually applied for a Fulbright um, to Portugal got the Fulbright to Portugal and that confirmed my desire to, to live in Portugal. So, uh, and basically ever since then, it's just been, how do I get to Portugal? (laughs) So I ended up moving, um, and I can tell more details exactly about how I did it, but I applied to a master's program during the pandemic. Um, so during 2020 I applied to a master's program here in Lisbon, which was the easiest way for me to come to the country. And it is. I'm still on my master's program, which I forget sometimes. I have a thesis to write, and I'm not planning uh, as well as I should be. But during at once I got here, I there were some blocks I had put in place and some networking that I had done that eventually led me to also get the full time job that I have now, working for a the Luso American Development Foundation uh, here in Portugal, basically working for a study abroad program, bringing U.S. students from. Or students from the U.S. to study abroad here in Lisbon. It's kind of like a dream job or dream come true for me because I've always worked in education, and I've um, my passion has been in intercultural education. So long journey, but I'm here now, and I'm really I'm thrilled to tell you more about my crazy love story with Portugal, specifically about how I got my job, which is a long story, but very worth it in the end, and. Um, For those of you who uh, you know really want it to happen it it can it takes time but you can eventually find you know your your little job your what your profession or career abroad so thank you
2: thank you Genesis that was great intro we will hear definitely more about all those experiences because I think one that we study abroad we find a love story with the cities that we're in or some somewhere calls us and we're like we just have to get there um So thank you for that. And we also have Micaela, who is also a panelist. Let's see if...
3: Okay, so I'm Micaela. I'm originally from Argentina. I'm an English language teacher and I was a Fulbrighter last year. I mean, from 2021 to 2022, I did my Fulbright scholarship in the United States, in Virginia. And as Delicia was a Fulbright ETA in Brazil, I was a Fulbright FLTA um, and taught Spanish in the States. And I'm hoping to be a graduate student this year or next year.
2: Thank you so much, Micaela. And I'm the moderator, Delicia Larcon. I studied in uh, Fairfield University, originally from New Jersey, Jersey Girl Forever. Uh, Currently in Florida, and my undergraduate um, exposure to exchange program was first through the Gilman. I went to Sevilla, Spain uh, in 2013 in the spring semester, and then I studied abroad a year uh, in Australia, so that was through another exchange program. And then post-graduation, I worked in higher education and worked with international students uh, to get them to study abroad in in the U.S., And also worked as an academic counselor supporting first-generation, typically underrepresented students to study abroad. So really expand international education for all populations. And then in 2018, I did the Fulbright English Teaching Assistantship in uh, Minas Gerais, Brazil. And then when I came back... Uh, transitioning, figuring out grad school. And I founded uh, Deli Academy where I support students through academic and career advising and the College and Career Coffee Chats podcast where we talk all things study abroad, grad school admissions and uh, scholarships. So I'm so excited to be moderating and also trying to figure out how do I get abroad again? Um, But it seems like graduate school might be an avenue or a pathway to um, working and living abroad again. So Genesis, can you kick us off to start us um, with that path? Because it seems to be um, a great journey to be on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I will plug in um, a very helpful resource for me, um, which I, which may not be the best fit for everyone. But my genuine desire, you could even call desperation to come to Portugal. <laughs> uh, really, really, I was like, how do I get there? I need to get there. Um, because basically I will just say really quickly that I, at the time when I was living in Madrid, I was working as an, uh, basically as an ETA, not through Fulbright, but just through another program. And I was working part-time for a study abroad program. And I really, what I wanted was to do the study abroad stuff full-time and drop the English teaching stuff. But for long story short, it legally, it, it wasn't going to be able to work out. And so I had to swallow the. I'm terrible at expressions. Um, <laughs> I had to swallow the hard pill of like, I didn't want to teach English anymore. Um, and I decided I was like, okay, I'm going to go back home to the States. Um, and that was really tough for me. As you can imagine, I was like really wanting to stay in Europe. That was my plan. And when I came back to the the States, I actually lived in San Diego, California for a bit. I got a job at the, at an international office at, at the university of San Diego but I still but I basically after three months, I was like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I want to be back in Europe. So that's when I was like, how do I get back? Um, and through some digging and also some networks that I had in in Madrid, I found this course called Master Your Move Abroad, which is taught by um, this woman named Sienna Brown. Um, she originally started this uh, group called Las Morenas de España and the, eventually it turned into a Master you Move Abroad. Um, so I thought that it was worth, because of my desperation to go back, I thought it was worth my investment uh, to pay for the course and take it. I don't know how much the course is now. It could be, I was like one, one of the OG groups of people in the course, so I think it was cheaper then than it is now. But needless to say, that course really helped me um, kind of outline, answer a lot of important questions. Why am I really moving abroad? why the country, does the country have the life? Like, first of all, what kind of lifestyle do I want to lead? And does that country have the resources uh, that I want in order to live that lifestyle and things of that nature? It helps, there are workbooks, there are like planners and things like that to help you start doing research on like visa options. And so it was through that course that I realized that um, at the time, it's a bit easier now, but unless I was already a digital nomad, one of the easiest ways to move to Portugal specifically was being a student. And I was like, well, I've always wanted, I did want to go back to school at some point for my master's. So I was like, why not, why not do it in Portugal? You know? And I just kind of had a lot of hope that um, my dream of Europe wouldn't get swept from under me again. Um, so in a way I did take a risk, right? Because I didn't leave to Portugal having a job already. I did do a lot of networking beforehand though. I looked into study abroad programs in Portugal. I started sending LinkedIn messages, et cetera. And those proved to be helpful later, not immediately, but later down the line, they really did prove to be helpful. Um, so I moved, I, I did have, I did live off of savings for a bit um and this like I said this is a a journey of of resilience I did I basically knew my priority was Portugal and there were sacrifices that I made in order to to get there so one was living off of savings for a bit uh so that I could do my master's program I also actually lived in a hostel for seven months Uh, I volunteered in exchange for accommodation and food since I was only a student and that helped make my savings you know last longer of course and then eventually I learned about how I could get employed, even being a foreigner or student. I worked as a barista for a bit here in Portugal. Um, and then eventually the networks that I had or links I had made through LinkedIn uh, eventually led me to uh, become in contact with my current supervisor uh, at my job, who later, um, you know, we, we sat down and he said, you know, we were we need an extra person on the team. We're a small team. I saw your profile. I know you reached out to me back way back when. So let's get the ball rolling on this. And, um, it still took like a whole year, but a year after that, I officially got hired for the foundation, um, September of 2021. So So, yes. Sorry. That was a long.
2: Congratulations. No, that's that's perfect. We have to give spaces for our stories to come alive, because I think it's so important for anyone coming up this uh, quote unquote pipeline that want to study abroad or live abroad to see us represented in these spaces and and to realize and understand that your networks start in your exchange program as a student, or if you do a program abroad in the summer or winter, those networks that you create there can be the networks for the next step in your professional journey. So I love the story of, Maybe not today, this network could work, but a year from now, they might have an opportunity or a position or or um, someone of someone knows uh, this grad program or this coordinator role. And you kind of uh, put those pieces together if you have this burning desire, like you to go back to Portugal. And I just love that. Can you describe in one word, what does Portugal like light up for you in terms of that desire? I know you use the word obsession, but I, I think it's desire
1: in many ways. That, I think that's a better that's a better word it is desire I wrote a whole poem I, I'm a poet it's uh I love that <laughs> <laughs> um, I wrote a a poem about Portugal in the in the opening lines of the poem go um, home is where your heart feels like it actually belongs to you in Portugal my heart feels like it's mine oh. like it belongs to me um So if that encapsulates how I feel in Portugal, (laughs) yeah, it just, I feel like myself, um, I think Europe and studying abroad really unlocked uh, new levels of self-care that I didn't know existed for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just feel a a very big freedom to be myself, who is a changing self, nonetheless, Mm -hmm. but all facets of myself, I feel like I've embraced being in Portugal in a way that I didn't feel fully open to do when I was in the US or in other places. So yeah, being abroad allowed me to reinvent myself in a way that was um, authentic to me. I love that, that's so beautiful.
2: (laughs) Um, Andrea, can you share with us a little bit what Cameroon unlocked for you during the Peace Corps? I love that we have Peace Corps and Fulbright and different exchange programs represented. So uh, can you share a a little bit about that with us?
0: Yeah, thanks, I will. So, it is a different program, uh, and I think that I'll um, start there because naturally when you are a Peace Corps volunteer abroad there's um, a whole 10 weeks of pre-service training uh, before swearing in where they literally bring so many resources to us um, to get familiar and to be culturally sensitive with the host country and the host country Mm -hmm. nationals um, where we are at and so speaking with other volunteers that were currently there, right, already doing their, their service, um, you kind of hear about the projects that are going on and what other organizations they're working with. Mm. And um, for me, being, a, I kind of felt to, forgot to mention this, but for me, being a daughter of immigrant parents and being the firstborn in Texas, Mexican household, I'm like jumping at the opportunities, right? I'm looking at, okay, so there's an event here, there's an event at the embassy, and um, there's this German uh, group that's doing the same work on HIV AIDS here that we can work with and all of these um, NGOs, basically. And when I went abroad for Peace Corps and I was in Cameroon, that's where i kind of discovered this new world that there are ngos and then what what is that (laughs) and basically kind of seeing how the us is everywhere um that's a good and a bad thing but you know um that the cdc also has its own initiative to assist in the country in so many different ways and then everyone is involved there's so many there's so many people involved doing that, right? And so that was my thing that I was like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea there were so many opportunities, right? Um, because a lot of people go and do it. Um, well, I mean, I understand that a lot of people have to do it for the resume, especially us, but um, I had no idea. And so I was jumping at the opportunities and I I think it was just really that. It was discovering how many Americans were there, how many foreigners were there doing work, uh, working with the CDC and the Peace Corps actually, um, every country is different, but the Peace Corps actually also had third-year extensions and sometimes they were partnered up with um, the CDC's initiative for PEPFAR funding HIV and like you would be doing that or you um, at a facility where there's, it's like a foster home for children. There were so many opportunities, and I would, I was just jumping at them. Um, for example, there was one, there's a 4th of July party at every American UM, uh, US embassy. So if you ever have to be like studying abroad, which, um, yeah, it's always happening, right? <laughs> but if you can be there, be there. If you can be at any event, at um, any embassy, but the U.S. Embassy Fourth of July party is great. Um, I literally did not ever think that I was going to do something like this, but they sent out they sent us invitations. Um, tell us about like what projects you're working on. We're going to test your French, and then some program managers we'll go ahead and decide like who can go to the, the 4th of July event. And there's only three volunteers being chosen. And I was like, okay. And there's one from every sector. And so I was education. And then I ended up getting chosen to go um, be at the 4th of July embassy party. And it was like, oh my gosh, this little Brown girl <laughs> from an immigrant household where I had to like translate, you know, while I was a child, I was literally like, I had a a job at the embassy. It was wild. Um, and then I met other people and I met, I learned about other organizations uh, being there. I even met with um, the first ladies organize. Well, yeah, it was the first ladies organization in the country that was providing uh, HIV and AIDS prevention, support, and recovery within the country of Cameroon. So I went to go meet with her organization so I can connect and bring these sources over to the village where I was placed at. Um, so that was that's a lot, but basically just kind of summarizing that I was putting myself out there everywhere, everywhere. I was asking questions. It was a little annoying at first, but it really paid. In the end and i'm really glad that i did that
2: i love that beautiful story definitely the fourth of july parties at the embassy are a must attend (laughs) i attended in brazil when i was doing my fulbright year it was so much fun so if you have that opportunity definitely take it or apply if they do it like a different system depending on your country and what they're servicing but um so i love that thread of maybe grad school as an opportunity and then obviously networking with the people at NGOs, the embassy, um, they definitely have networks that they can tap into. So if you know someone by name and one-on-one basis, that expands your opportunity to get this job abroad, host your exchange program, right? Because I think there's a thread within all of us that we wanna go back to somewhere that calls our heart and where we can be our authentic self in that country and building that pathway there is kind of the journey of this conversation. So I love that. Grad school, networking, Um, and then we have Micaela, who did the opposite of what I did, like she mentioned, Um, English teaching assistantship is for U.S.-based students going abroad, and then um, FLTA, foreign language teaching assistant, is for the international students, like from Argentina coming to the United States, or Brazil. Um, and something I did forget to mention too, like Andrea, a first generation Latina. My family is from Paraguay, so Paraguayan American. I lived in Paraguay for four and a half, five years as well. So um very familiar with sword. Anyways, uh, Micaela, please uh, kick us off with your experience with FLTA coming from the as- international lens to uh, the United States.
3: Okay, well, gladly. Um, it's very difficult because it's been quite a year Uh, And I I assume that even though I am, I mean, I come from Argentina and I went to the US and you did the opposite. But I mean, I guess it's the same when you go, it's it's being abroad. And I think that the, I mean, the, the core is the same, but I had a... Really wonderful experience. We taught Spanish, so it's not. I I, I did had had have, have to study. I don't know, Delicia, if you had to study when you were an ETA in Brazil.
2: So for Brazil, no, we had the opportunity to take uh, Portuguese one, two, or three, depending on your mm-hmm. level, to study um, more intensely the grammar and the um, language. But we didn't have a requirement to take a course. Um, oh. Did you have a requirement to take a course? Yes.
3: So uh, mainly I was a Spanish teaching assistant um, at a university in Virginia. I taught two, two semesters. First I taught Spanish composition, then I taught conversational Spanish, but I did have to study some four classes. I had to take four classes, two in the first semester, two in the second one, and it had to be related to my course of studies. In my case, I'm an English teacher. So classes had to be related to either teaching or English literature, American history, in any class that had to do with my career, let's say. So I, I had the opportunity as well to to study at a university abroad. And I, I'm, I'm really happy that I had to do that because the system is totally different from Argentina. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I, I could experience, I mean, everything, because. I was studying, but I was also teaching. And in Argentina, I, I well studied when I was in college. I was teaching as well. So I have, yeah, I could have the whole package. Let's
2: <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for sharing, Micaela. Um, I want to talk about imposter syndrome or mindset blocks that maybe we have to go through as as first generation students, Um children of immigrants to go abroad and be represented in these spaces. So whoever wants to touch upon that topic can jump in and unmute from the panelists um, regarding maybe what those um, experiences are when you're thinking about what is next.
1: I think one of the biggest lessons I learned um, in the whole process, which was not a linear one, uh, was that we, I remember thinking like I that I thought I knew exactly how I was going to get to Portugal. I was like, I'm going to do step A or step one, step two, step three, or step A, step B, C, et cetera. And you have an idea and it's great that you have this idea of how you think you're going to get there. And that's what I thought. But what I noticed was at some point I got caught, let's say on step B. And I was like, step B has to be that I have to get into this particular grad program, just to give an example in Lisbon. And um, I actually didn't get into that grad school program. Um, And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, the whole plan now doesn't work anymore. As opposed to allowing the route to kind of make itself clear for you as you go through the process. Cause basically we're just like, I have to go through step B in order to get through step C. But what you don't realize is there's like a, there's a, outside of your realm of consciousness, like, or (laughs) What you think, there's actually a step B point two yeah. that exists. You just don't know that it exists yet. Right. And so being open to having things not go my way and having that show me that wow, there's actually another way to do this thing that wasn't what I even thought that I would set out to do. Um, and I think that level of flexibility and trust within myself and within and trusting the process really completely allowed me to be where I am now. Had I been very rigid with what I thought was the only Mm. way to get to Portugal, I may not have gotten here. Um, Another example is just if I had said, no, I'm not going to do a master's program. I need to secure a job before Mm. going, right? Mm -hmm. Had I gone that route, I might still be in the United States. Um, And just a quick tangent for like uh, cultural differences. (laughs) I spoke to my supervisor the other day. I was like, you know, like... I pinged you on LinkedIn before I came, and you didn't say anything to me. You know, he's. I'm like, you didn't like reach back out to me until I was already in Portugal, and he says, "Well, yeah." He's like, in Portugal, face to face interaction is much is is considered much more serious, and he's like, and the fact that you were already in the country mm-hmm. kind of signaled the level of commitment of like you were actually going to be here. Um, so just again, had I been like, no, I had to secure the job before going, Mm. I may not have been able to secure it because of multiple factors. Mm -hmm. Right. So being open to the, like have an outline, but also allow that outline to evolve as more information comes in um, and try and try different things out that you might not have planned at the beginning.
2: That's so beautiful is trusting as cheesy as it might sound is trusting the process and trusting yourself that you want to be there, right? You knew you're determined to be in Portugal. So I'm going to trust and be flexible with the plan of how do I get there? And that's the beauty of exchange programs. It teaches us to stretch ourselves, to trust ourselves, the process, and really trust the idea that we want to have this experience in X, Y, or Z country. So I love that. That's so beautiful. And a great reminder too, because I think maybe people in our communities, we are academics at some point, some level, and we're like, we have A, B, C, D to get done. And it's like, it might not be that way. It might be A, Z, D, F, and then um, eventually get there. So that's a beautiful reminder. Thank you, Genesis. Andrea, Michaela, do you have anything to add about mindset, uh, what your lessons are from your abroad experience or um, anything yes, you want to share? Besides Go ahead.
3: being flexible, patience is also mm. a very important element because as as you said, one, one wants to do A, B, C, C, everything <laughs> together at the same time in the order that you want and then you, I mean, life doesn't work like that.
1: <laughs> exactly.
3: So being flexible with what you are presented with, but also being patient and knowing that you have to adjust you have to be there and experience and everything will come at the time that it has to come Mm
0: -hmm. absolutely yes I will say um I have a completely different perspective of um being abroad the first time I went for Peace Corps and being um a brown woman from the US, then when I finished and trying to like still find um, jobs abroad or fellowships, um, it's different, I guess. And so I I guess so let me explain because it, def- it definitely comes back into like being brown and being abroad. So I definitely thought that I was joining um, Peace Corps and like everyone else in my cohort was going to be the same, like-minded people, especially like not racist people. And that's exactly not what happened. Right. That's Peace Corps, right? I I don't know how it is with Fulbright, um, but being abroad and like meeting those other foreigners is great when you're networking with them. But then like, you kind of just see where the intentions are, um, how culturally sensitive there being uh, with intentions, I guess. And it definitely impacts us and it impacted me being abroad because some, those are some of the same people that come back home and treat us like that here. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing everything with this uh, culturally sensitive lens and an ethical lens became so much more important. And like, I knew that before, but I didn't know it on that global lens i guess Mm -hmm. and so um which definitely impacted like my whole experience there with um in relation to like other americans there um but the host country nationals were amazing americans just not so much and so um so then it really just made me fall more in love with myself and Mm -hmm. with my culture and I never thought that I was going to get that out of my experience abroad. Um, everything, and this is specific to the country, uh, the host country that you're in, but I was in West Africa mm-hmm. and um, I mean, I'm melanated, but not to the extent where there was like black skin around me the whole time. And so I was perceived as white over there and and that's I know that like, you know, where where my place is at with like, yes, this is La Blanche. This is the white girl because she's American and that looks like it's money. And so um, I didn't take offense to that there. I -hmm. just took it as an opportunity every single time to build relationships with people and be like, oh, you know what? Like, yeah, this is the color of my skin, but your skin is also very beautiful. And guess what? Like, I am American, but I'm Mm Mexican-American. And so it always opened up the door to, to teach literally like impromptu history geography lessons. I had a map in my house and... Sometimes it was the first time that anyone was seeing a map. So I was like, this is where I'm from. (laughs) I was born here, but like my parents came from here and then they moved here. And so now this, that's me. Um, And so it really made me fall in love with my culture even more um, because I was, I was teaching people that I'm Mexican and literally I would walk around village and they would be like, Hey, the Mexican, which I loved right here in this context. It's so different. Right. Like, no, don't, don't. (laughs) Yeah. That doesn't work here, but over there, you know, it's just something that I created um, that worked for a cross culture exchange. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But it was so empowering for me. And um, I guess like my perspective being like post Peace Corps and being a returned Peace Corps volunteer and having the opportunities to go back abroad, either with graduate school or jobs, because it really does open up a lot of doors. um, That's kind of what I hold as well. You know, what job am I looking for? How am I going to get back abroad? But what does that look like? Um, And it's hard. It's really, really hard. I wouldn't like sit with it too much there's no ethical way there's no ethical like sort of um like what's the word i'm looking for there's Um, no really like ethical way to consume stuff under capitalism mm, i guess mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know so Mm -hmm. it's like these agencies exist and for us this puts us ahead so many steps versus um, other people that didn't have, well, other people that had the privilege going up, right? And so right. I had no idea that this was going to open up doors for me. So basically, mm. um, that's the perspective that I, that I have. Like, I know what I'm getting myself into when I look for opportunities abroad. Um, and I know that that's going to be really, really hard, but I deserve it.
2: Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. You deserve it. And you're worthy of applying to these programs. And I think sometimes when we see these big names of exchange programs or master's program or whatever it looks like for you, it's like, oh, uh, maybe I can do this or maybe I can't. But and that like imposter syndrome starts to come in. But I love hearing how we're worthy of it and apply. The worst they can say is no, and we'll move on to the next application, but you won't know until you actually apply. So throw your name in the rink, apply, um, make it happen. And something that I wanna make space for and acknowledge and center in this moment is the idea of the nuances of our intersections of our identities when we do these exchange programs, right? And what we may encounter in these spaces and honoring that and also naming those experiences, because Fulbright and Peace Corps and whatever experience we have abroad, it, we're going through the lens of um, our lived experiences. And if that includes immigration, if that includes a mixed status family, if that includes uh, different races, that matters in our experience. And that changes the lens through which we live through these experiences. So I think that's important to name. Thank you, Andrea, for bringing that up because you I also encountered many things in Brazil and nuances with um, my family from Paraguay, which is a neighboring country, and that history that exists. So um, I share that too. So thank you for naming that and bringing that up. I do want to talk a little bit about um, the tools that you may have used to network or find a job abroad. I know, Genesis, you talked about pinging someone on LinkedIn so are there any practical tools aside from LinkedIn that you think are important to have in your back pocket for any listeners and the audience that might be thinking about it? And what can I do to um, expand the networking?
1: I did. I did want to jump in and say, uh, Andrea, I really appreciate what you said and the really the importance of representation um, just across uh, platforms. Right. So like I was just having a meta moment, like watching us have this conversation and just being like how important it is Um And, you know, again, like saying that we deserve it, that we deserve to be there is a is a is a way, an affirmation to like combat, you know, one of the imposter syndromes. And actually, I remember something that very meaningful that happened to me, you know, as a as a white Latina, when I go abroad, especially in Europe, I'm very ambiguous. Like they don't I could be Spanish, I could be Portuguese, but then I speak and then they're like, you're not you're not from here. (laughs) Um, And then the the whole conversation of where where I'm from. And I have an experience where there are very little, there's such little Central American um, representation anywhere, um, really. I'm always encountered with no one one knows where Guatemala is, no one knows anything about Guatemala. Um, And so it's very important to me. And I'm very proud of that too, right? Like I actually, I resonated with what Andrea said, which is like, even though sometimes it can get tiring to constantly explain, like mm-hmm. where Guatemala is—that it's not part of Mexico, that it's in Central America, uh, Central America is not part of South America, like all these things that I love to—that they then leave with new information that they didn't know about my family and and where where I come from, right? So that and then something else that happened recently this summer, we had students. Um, you know, university students doing a summer program with us, and one particular group of students had a large Latinx, um, like a lot of them were Latinx background, and there were these three young women in particular who uh, I remember going up on stage and giving like the orientation presentation, and I was like, "Oh, I'm from Providence, but my, you know, my parents are from Guatemala," and the three of them were like, "Woo!" Like, yeah. <laughs> And that meant the world to me because so many students, as you know, like study abroad programs tend to be predominantly upper class. They predominantly white, depending on the situation. And they came out to me afterwards and they said like how how important it was for them to see someone that they could. That they felt represented in uh, up there. And I was like, it just meant the world to me that they said that. And they and they were so comfortable with me throughout the whole summer. They would come sit with me like when I went on trips with them. They're like, oh, Jessica, I want to sit with you, you know, (laughs) and um, that meant a lot. And I just remember being them when I was a student Mm -hmm. and feeling like I would definitely feel the same way if I saw if it's certainly if I saw another Guatemalan American or Guatemalan up there being I would be like oh my gosh you're my prima like (laughs) I feel like we're family um so just a quick note on that and then in terms of tools I know that I already mentioned the course I do think the course is very helpful but within the course you learn things like your elevator speech about you and your, you know, whatever. I think that's very important to have in your back pocket, just your elevator speech about yourself, especially Mm. if you're someone who you don't know exactly what you're going to be doing abroad. You just know that you want to be in that country. Then it's kind of just like, it's not just an elevator speech about a particular position. It's just, who are you like the bite-sized version of what your personal statement would be, I guess, when you're applying to Mm -hmm. these exchange programs. I think that's very important and doing the research in this, these cultural differences. So if I'm pitching to Portugal, how do I use my context, the context that I know about Portugal, cultural and otherwise to adapt my pitch to that audience? Um, Because yeah, there are very big differences in how you approach things. My supervisor, like I said, Didn't Mm. know me puso coco, like my dad would say, he didn't really pay attention to me until I was in the actual country. So doing doing research on that beforehand, because that can certainly help your approach and making sure that you land the way that you want to land, even when you're, you're reaching out via LinkedIn or whatever. And I also think there's an increasing number of like Slack groups. Um, mm. I, I work in international education, like I mentioned, and I, if any of you work in internet or want to be working in international education, there's a Slack group called all things international education, and they're constantly posting international ed jobs, both I think U S based and abroad. Um, so Slack groups are a great resource for networking, uh, about particular like career and professional areas. Oh, that's
2: awesome. At the end of this um, presentation, we'll have a running list of resources and links. So anything in the chat, I'll compile, put it together and send it out to the um, participants, post it on Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, wherever you follow Fulbright Latinx. So you can get all that good stuff um, with the links So thanks, Genesis, for that. I didn't know there was a Slack group. Learn something new every day. Micaela, Andrea, is there anything you want to add about tools that you are using now or have used in the past to network and kind of get abroad?
0: For um, really just kind of like looking for that opportunity and what that looks like and like the actions to do it. Um, Kind of just like what Genesis said, like the groups on uh, different platforms, for sure. And... Um, Facebook groups, there's going to be, sometimes they're called like expat groups. Um, so if you can like join them on Facebook, I don't know if they'll let you like, you know, if they're private, but like then, you know, whatever. And so join the group. So you just kind of like know, who is there on what kind of job. Um, That sounds kind of like creepy, but like I do it all the time. You kind of have to go and see like Instagram is like such a big tool because now there's so many platforms like Delicia's platform on Instagram that literally offers so many opportunities. And then that leads you to other people on Instagram that do the same thing. And TikTok, you know, we love TikTok University. (laughs) So um, those are the the big things where you can just put something in and find those groups that I definitely did. Um, another thing that I tried, I totally forgot I did this. Um, I studied abroad in Costa Rica and then it's mm-hmm. the same thing. I fell in love, right? I was like, oh, I'm going back. Like I have to. And, um, I've spent a couple of years trying to like figure out, <laughs> how I'm going back. And what I did during the pandemic was literally just look for schools that taught English, maybe like American schools, Mm -hmm. international schools, but there's also like a lot of other um, people that start their own schools and their own with their own curriculum. And I was just looking them up, like literally just on Google or on Google maps and do like if you're in education, right, Um, and if you are, so it's, there's so many opportunities to do the teaching English abroad, so I was just looking for schools, typing that in, in Google Maps, and visiting every single one, looking at the school's website, looking at what jobs they had open, what they were about, Um, so it does take more time, but definitely, that works because when you and it can be any avenue, it can be schools, it can be like if you're in tech, look for tech. If you're doing nonprofit, then do nonprofit. But when what you'll see when you're looking on their website is other organizations that they partner with.
3: Mm. And so
0: if you're looking at you found like an international school in San Jose, Costa Rica, they're going to have um, partnerships where they're working with the local university um, to do STEAM activities, but then, hey, the or university actually has like an exchange program for STEAM students and majors. And so then now you know that that exists. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of like a chain reaction. It can lead you to, to-, to like so many other organizations that exist. And um, just really kind of like meeting people um, and talking to people, doing stuff like this right? So that way you can just keep following them on LinkedIn. Um, just follow people and then like like stuff and then it's going to end up on your timeline. <laughs> and then I also joined a lot of groups on LinkedIn as well. Um, so that was a big spiel. The other one I think for graduate students, I'm not sure if it's been mentioned, is Pro Fellow.
1: Mm.
0: Pro Fellow is a good one. Yes.
1: I
2: love ProFellow there. They have a a great, um, like database. It's awesome. I want to pull up the link right now for people in the chat. Thank you, Andrea. Micaela, is there anything you would like to share with us about that or, um, anything about imposter syndrome, whatever comes up?
3: Uh, no, I just wanted to add on how to, I, I wrote something on the chat that, so it, Besides using all these websites and, well, LinkedIn, that is very useful because I don't know if you use LinkedIn, but you can connect to a lot of people. Also, the the app suggests people you may have um, similarities Mm -hmm. with or you may have people in common, so as to network and connect. Um, But also, I was thinking that a a good tool is to check the, the international department of education from the university that you attended to because they usually have a lot of opportunities of traveling abroad and also studying abroad. Also what 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 was useful to me at the time was thinking of the country that I would like to go to. In my case well it was the USA, but it can be any and well research that country. What would what you would like to do there? what, what do they offer? Because every country had, I mean, countries have a lot of opportunities usually for people. And so what they are offering and what you can offer to that country. And so yeah, Googling, that's <laughs> very useful.
2: Yes. Google is the best to start it off, right? Is there anything? Oh, no, and- sorry. oh go ahead. Um,
3: but I was thinking that nowadays there are, well, I don't know if there are a lot of apps like TikTok, for instance, <laughs> that, are, that are becoming very popular not on not only on like random videos, but right. there are a lot of users who give information on how to um, work abroad and study abroad so and, and it's very useful, so you can also go into that.
2: Absolutely there's um they, it's become a search engine too right on yeah, TikTok totally. <laughs> yeah. whatever you want um like Andrea said TikTok university something i want to add to Andrea saying that you just have to put yourself out there at first it might feel like creepy um because you don't know maybe someone but Those groups are there to foster community and to foster the networking and finding similar or like-minded people that want to do similar things that you're doing. Maybe find someone who's going to the same country and uh, build a a friendship, whatever that looks like, or a network, um, I think is great. And we live in such a digital social world that I think it's become less and less like uh, creepy to do that. But um, uh, it's also part of your worthiness that you're Worthy to apply but you're also worthy to ask questions of something that you're interested in. If you see someone doing something cool shoot them a message. So I want to uh, leave the last kind of question for anyone uh, on the panel to say one thing, or not question but comment about your maybe favorite part of living, working abroad, and what you hope to bring um to the next generation of <laughs> study abroad, work abroad, um, individuals who are on this chat, and then we'll open it up to a uh, question and answer for um, anyone in the audience. If you don't wanna come on camera or say the question, you can type it in the chat and we will um, answer the question. Um, and you can also address the question to anyone on the panel specifically. So before we head there, last thoughts from the panelists.
3: You, you shouldn't be afraid of mm. going out there and trying new things. Of course, it will always be scary mm. because it will be something new and out of your comfort zone. But in the end, it's, it is totally worth it because I have, I met incredible people who lent me a hand. I learned a lot. I, I could learn a lot from other cultures, not only American cultures, but other people whose con- cultures were different. And it, it made me grow up a lot as a person and it changed a lot of things for my life. And also it made me view the world completely different. So it was scary, but it was amazing in the end.
2: Yes, it's always, you always learn something new. Andrea, Genesis, you want to say one last thing before we go to question and answer?
3: Yeah,
0: um it was like uh okay, so like message for the future generation. Uh, no, I <laughs> I, I love think it. that I know like what is what yeah. is that message? I think it's important to just kind of know um it's important to do things like this, mm. um, to share the stories. Uh, storytelling is very important and um it's important to have and because of storytelling people can see that there is representation and that these things do exist um, even for us and um it is really hard and really scary I had to explain what Peace Corps was to my parents and they were just like why are you going back Like we just left that Mm. and, 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 you know, and it's so hard. It's so hard for people to be like, um, this is not going to do anything for your career, but it is, it really, really is. I just think telling your story, being proud, being very present and owning, um, all the parts of the story is really, really important. And, um, I hope that it really encourages more people to do anything, anything, anything abroad is super, super helpful because we bring that information and we bring that perspective back to what wherever you're going, to your home, to the jobs that you're going to have. And that's the, the most important part Uh, because like, you're literally just going to do amazing at your job after that, you know, it's like <laughs> It's so important. Yeah. So it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Take it to your job. Take it to your life. Absolutely. The the
2: explaining the social and cultural and, and, and institutional capital that you get from doing these exchange programs and also um, navigating this global world by living and studying abroad, it really sets your resume um, ahead and puts you on the map for uh, potential job opportunities and uh, other networking things. So Yes, I love that, and carrying your story is important, and being proud of where we, who we are, and where we come from. So, thank you, Andrea.
1: Yeah, Andrea, I think that's very beautifully said. I will also, I'll also just add that, like, um, I had not, like, I knew that Fulbright was prestigious or what have you, but I didn't know what was actually going to happen mm-hmm. or with that later. Um, and really, you, what you're tapping into is a very important network that has a bunch of resources and that is I mean Fulbright is related to my foundation here in Portugal so mm-hmm. these are all things I had no I, I wouldn't have known when I was applying to Fulbright you know all these things reveal itself with time um, and I, I 100% and I'm also a unique Fulbright applicant because I applied to Fulbright to Spain the first time around and didn't get it I was an alternate but then, you know, didn't get the call back. And then I reapplied again. Um, So again, that doesn't work out the first time. There are so many options. Uh, There are different ways to go abroad, whether it's through an exchange program or, you know, otherwise. So these things reveal themselves to you with time. So trust in that. And then the other thing too, I would just say is um uh, kind of also with imposter syndrome and like deserving to be abroad and the importance of our stories is I know that while I was abroad, I remember feeling a lot of sometimes I would feel guilt that I was having Mm. such a great time. (laughs) I'm like, I'm having a splendid time. And my (laughs) family is going through things because life happens. Mm. Right. And sometimes feeling like maybe I shouldn't be abroad. Maybe I should be home with them. Maybe I should, you know, and um, of course, depending on the context and the situation uh, you, you know, you decide when you need to physically be there or not. But I just remember, That was a lesson, too, of allowing myself to that just because my family might be going through things did not mean that I wasn't deserving of having a good experience on my own. Um, And that was really tough because you want to share these with your family. You want your family to be as happy and, um, you know, like satisfied as you're feeling Um, and trusting that at least for me and my family, my family. Did feel satisfied hearing my story. They were like, My daughter is out there doing things and enjoying herself. And that is uh, like, they feel it through me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they look at their sacrifices as like, It is because of this that my daughter is so happy and doing what she loves to do. And I, after living one year in Madrid, my mom was like, Wow, you sound happier. Like, <laughs> you sound, yes, so she's like, Yes, me llena mucho. You know, she's like, That makes me so happy to hear you so happy there. Um, And now she calls me su portuguesita. (laughs) um, So all of that is part of the experience and you're not alone in that feeling and you also get to live your life and and enjoy it too.
2: Oh, I love that. That's such an important message for any Latina first generation. However you identify those nuances that we exist in and those intersections, to honor that desire, to honor that joy and to honor that experience that you're having in, in regard, regardless of maybe what's happening at home, parallel to that, not ignore it, obviously not bypass it, but also give yourself that space because you're worthy of experiencing that joy. And that's also part of the, um, I would say the revolution of, the what it means to be Latina, what it means to be um, and a daughter of immigrants if you identify with that, however you ascribe, however that identifies to you. But um, I think that's so important because there's also very few spaces where we're allowed to do that. Um, so I love this panel discussion and having this space and this conversation because we need that representation. And we also need to name these experiences that we experience when we go abroad, right? And we can have a whole other panel about that um, and navigating that and what tools we use to regulate our nervous system and self-care and um, all of that. So thank you for sharing uh, Genesis, Andrea, Micaela, um, your beautiful stories and um, honoring that space here with us. Uh, opening this space for the audience in this moment. This is a great opportunity. You have uh, three amazing panelists sharing their stories in various, various experiences, various parts of the world. We have Africa, we have South America, we have Europe represented. Um, So take this opportunity to share that.
0: I just wanted to ask something that's maybe a little bit more like logistical, but a lot of people talked about reaching out to people via like social media, LinkedIn, things like that. And what are some things you think are important for people to say in those initial messages? Like, is it just like, "Hey, this
1: is who I am," or do you say like what skills you have and can bring? Or what do those messages look like? That's a that's a great question. <laughs> um, in the course that I took, I remember. A really good tip in those messages was like, if you start doing, so a lot of times we think like uh, we, we, again, we have an idea of like what the position is that we want to apply to. And sometimes we don't even know that positions exist that we don't know the title of, right? So in your initial research is, uh, in LinkedIn, um, just looking at people who have positions similar to what you would like to hold, right? And then a tip was like doing research on those organizations and trying to identify what is a What is, uh, entre comillas, a problem that this organization faces that you notice on their website? Let's just say it's something as simple as you notice that they don't have a Spanish version of their website and you're a translator or you have work in translation. Then in your pitch, you know, you kind of say, hi, I'm so, so you give a little piece of background on your piece of, of your background, but then you say something along the lines of you notice that there is this kind of thing that could benefit them and you have the tools to solve their problem. And that's a very like enticing way to be like, hey, she is, already knows about us, already knows what we're doing. And she already is contributing ideas and her skill set to something that could improve us in the future. Um, And I think that's a great way to entice someone to speak with you. Um, Cause oftentimes we kind of fall into the rabbit hole of like, can we just, can I just pick your brain? And depending on, I never thought I'd get to this point, but I have LinkedIn messages. I was like, sure, pick my brain all you want. And then I started getting a lot of messages and I'm like, oh, wait, I don't have time to be picked, have my brain picked so much. So I think with people who are getting tons of messages, if, if yours, yours can stand out in that way, if you are able to identify, again, a problem that could benefit, that the solution you have, that could benefit them.
2: Thank you, Genesis.
0: I think we could move on to like maybe a smaller smaller discussions if that works for people. Um, and maybe people would feel more comfortable asking like a one-on-one or something like that.
2: While Cheyenne does that, I wanted to add about um, wrapping up the, or summarizing, I should say not wrapping up, summarizing the three kind of ways that we discussed with the um, panelists is teach abroad, English, or another one, uh, grad school, or finding a company or NGO that kind of has the experiences that you want to work through. And I think the j- breakout rooms are set. So if it pops up pops up on your screen, let's join. Ready?
1: Following this, our panelists then broke out into breakout rooms on Zoom, where they continued one-on-one or small group discussions about their personal experiences. Even though we don't have the recordings available for the breakout rooms, those of you who are interested in contacting any of the panelists, please do let us know. Contact us at philbertlatinx at gmail.com, or you can also reach out to us on Instagram. And if you are interested in these opportunities moving forward, please make sure to follow us on Instagram to know about when our next panel is going to be so you have the opportunity to speak directly with panelists as well. So that's all for us today. Thanks so much. And we look forward to meeting you on the next one. Until then. This panel was moderated by Delicia Alarcón. And this episode was edited by Madeline Santizo and Genesis Garcia.